LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening. Pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real-life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, and one neighborhood at a time. This is the Together LA Listening Tour. Hi, everyone. Today, I get a chance to sit down and talk with Maisha Reynolds, president of Equity Lens Consultants. So, Maisha, I know you're in L.A. So what part of L.A. are you in? So I live not far from Pasadena in a small, wonderful town, um, the town of Monrovia. Very nice. Yes. Now, have you, were you born and raised in L.A.? No, I was actually born and raised in Wisconsin. And so I've just made, um, celebrated my four-year anniversary of being in L.A. on July 4th. Very, very nice. So I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. In Milwaukee, you were a classroom teacher, and yeah. then you were a math coach, an equity and math coach, instructional coach. And now you're doing what you're doing. Talk to me about that journey from being a teacher in Milwaukee, yeah. a Midwest city, yeah. to coming to L.A. and now working in Hollywood. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I'll tell you about my journey. Um, I cannot even believe, like, I worked and taught for almost 20 years. But I started off in the inner city of Milwaukee teaching kindergarten. Um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher early on, I guess, in my life. I loved working with children. I knew that education um, was such um, just so important and such a ticket for many people to end like generational cycles of poverty and, yeah. and illiteracy and things like that. And so um, I worked for as a teacher for many of years, about 10 years in the inner city of Milwaukee, then went on to move to a suburban district that was maybe 30 percent minority students. Got it and the rest um, white. And I just was so excited to be in this new environment and really um, kind of to grow as a teacher, but also to help students in the suburbs. I think sometimes people have this assumption that kids in suburban school districts obviously have more opportunities and are doing better and things of that nature. So I started working in that school. So when I was in Milwaukee, I taught um, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. And then I moved to this new suburban district and yeah. taught fifth grade. While I was teaching, I started to, I was so proud of being in this really high, um, what was known as a high performing school district. And so when I started, I was like, wow, this is great. I had this opportunity. Yeah. And I remember just noticing right away some inequities. I was like, wow, yeah. you know, when I would teach things and I would say to some students, why is it that you can do this, but your, uh, your friend can't. And then I started noticing, um, students' backgrounds and, you know, and what they look like and wondering, is this a factor? Like, is this affecting how we're educating our children? And so from there, I just kind of started being a voice and advocate in our district for all students learning at the highest level possible. Interesting. And that's, yeah. And that's kind of how I became an equity coach. Now with the equity coach, Mayesha, mm -hmm. did the uh, school decided because of what you were doing, creating a position? Was that position existing during that period of time? Oh, that whole story was so fantastic. So when I started teaching in the suburban district and started noticing these things right away within a, uh, just maybe a month or so of being there, I reached out to the superintendent. I said, hi, yeah. can we talk? You know, I really want to just share with you some things that I'm, I'm seeing and noticing. And I just have questions as to why. So we sat down, we talked 
over that year and the next year, I was put on like diversity committees and committees that were having conversations about what we need to do to make changes. After that, I was like, okay, our, we're like turtles. Like it's things that don't seem to be moving and progressing. And we're doing a lot of talking. I believe that there's someone who's need, um, someone is needed to coach teachers on just like culturally relevant teaching, how to meet the needs of all students, how to not let stereotypes or implicit biases affect your, um, your instruction and your relationships with students. And so I decided, I was like, I'm going to write up a job description and a job proposal. And so I did, I took the data from our school. Like I looked at our, our math and our reading data and um, presented that. And I said, this is something that's needed. I feel as though I am the right person to do it. Here's why. And um, submitted that proposal to my superintendent who sat me down and said, this is fantastic. We need this. Um, We just have to wait a little bit um, and see if this, you know, we don't have the funding for it right now. So I said, well, okay, I'm still going to be a voice. And I was still the one kind of pushing the envelope on a lot of things and asking lots of questions. So finally, fast forward, I was moved from the classroom to an instructional coach in math. Now I'm seeing what's going on in the, in the district as a whole. And I'm like, whoa, we have to make some changes. Went back to the table, yeah, said, yeah, here's yeah. my proposal. Can we talk about it some more? And a couple of days later, he was like, yep, you're right. We need to do this. You'll be halftime a math coach and halftime an equity coach. And so I was able to form that job description and do that job um, accordingly. So, yeah, it was such hey, a journey getting there. No, at the same time, Mayesha, this is yeah. kind of new for a lot of schools, right? I mean, yeah. to this day, do you know if many schools are doing what you had created to do? No. And so this was maybe, what, five years ago yeah. or so that I started that. So at that time, I didn't know of an equity coach. I wasn't basing my job description and proposal on something I'd already seen. To me, yeah. I was like, well, this is what I see as a need for our district. That's what we do in education or we're supposed to do. If there's a need, we're supposed to meet that need for our students. And so because I saw that, I was like, I'm going to go out on a limb. And I told people around me, I'm just writing a job proposal because I feel like it's something that's needed and we'll see how it goes. And and so since then, I have seen schools um, and known of schools who are having um, creating roles, directorship roles um, for people in the area of equity. Very, very good. And then from that point on, what made you decide to move to California? Oh, wow. So that was like not even. So when I was working as an equity coach, California wasn't really even on my radar at the time. And um, I was just so proud of like the work that I was doing there and really invested at the right before I um, decided to move to California was just a few months into this position. And I just, you know, my heart was like, oh my gosh, I'm finally doing what I what I love to do. And now I feel like God is transitioning me to a new place. So I did have the opportunity to go before that school board, tell them all the things I've done in this position. And they then said, oh my gosh, like, this is great. We need to um, make more positions like this. And things came of it. The, the district's new like next five-year plan was all based on equity. And I kind of felt like, wow, my work my work can be done here. Yeah. And so my pastor was moving out to California um, along with my my best friend and her husband, my dear friend. We we were all like they we all wanted to move out here to do what God called us to do. And that really was to serve the people of Hollywood and, and the Los Angeles area. And so um, just a lot of prayer and um, deciding that, yeah, it's the time. So then transitioned out here four years ago. Got it. Because prior before that, it's not like you ever lived in California or you probably visited California. You were probably a Midwest girl growing up in Wisconsin. 
Yeah, so it was so new to me um, being out here. I'd always said growing up, I was like, I'll live anywhere in the world except for California because of the earthquakes, not anything else. Yeah. Like I didn't, It was just that. But when I came here, I think the first thing, the very first things I noticed, I was like, this place is like a melting pot. And yeah. the thing about my perspective with equity, I'm like, I am equity to me never has has nothing to do with like skin color or, uh, you know, gender or anything. It's about the value of the human life. And so when I came here, I was like, wow, this place is so beautiful because it totally reflects all of God's creation. Just, you know, people of all different backgrounds. And so I loved it immediately. And I, I think I just felt like, yes, this can be home for me. Got it, got it. You mentioned one thing, you're a pastor, you're a best friend, everyone wants mm -hmm. to work in the Hollywood sector. Why yeah. is that? Why was that such a burden on both all of your hearts? Yeah, well, we knew when we came out here that God was calling us to have impact. And we know there are so many wonderful people in California doing amazing things. Um, but we just felt at the time, like it was it was what God was leading us to do. And I don't think any of us came out here knowing exactly how that was going to play out. It took the Lord revealing to us like each step to take. Obviously, for me, when I came out, I knew that I would also still work in the field of education. So that was a priority priority to me. And I always knew that I would take, whether I was instructional coach or classroom teacher, whatever I did, I would still take my equity focus with me. Um, but I think we just were open to doing whatever God has called us to do. And getting here, once we got here, we felt like, okay, we know um, he showed it. us kind of got exactly the call. Yeah. Yeah. And now it looks like since October 2020, you are mm -hmm. full time at Equity Lens Consultants. Yeah. I mean, at what point did you make that transition from an instructional coach in Pasadena to now saying, man, I'm just going to launch that. And of all things during the pandemic here. I know. So crazy. The pandemic actually um, was something that I felt like helped me to really get going. So three years ago, um, well now four years ago, right after I moved out here, actually, I had been praying and I was like, God, I really want to start an equity business. And he gave me the name equity lens consultants. And I wrote it down and I said, okay, that's the name. Talked to a dear friend. And I said, Hey, I'm starting an equity business. Like, what do you think would be a great name? And she said, equity lens consultants, which was so crazy. Cause I was like, where'd you get that from? So kind of started planning a little bit, but then put it on hold. So that was now almost four years ago. Yeah. So then October, because of being able to work from home as an instructional coach, I had a little bit more time on my hands and there was this um, I was becoming like discontent with not being able to actually totally focus on what I'm passionate about. And that is equity, equitable practices. And Got so it. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go for it and just started building my business from there. Got it. And when you say building your business, mm -hmm. is it working with studios? Is it working with corporation? And how did you build up? Because a lot of times I hear this question, how do you build up your contact? Is it just knocking on doors? Is it calling? Is it Facebook building connections? How, how did you build up your business? Yeah, I'm still building it. One of the things is, uh, one thing is my best friend, she made me a fantastic website. I think that is really yeah. helped because I have gotten traffic through people looking up equity coaches and consultants um, and my website popping up, people, you know, kind of reading it and deciding to reach out to me. That's actually how I've gotten a ton of my um, business. And also word of mouth, having conversations with people looking for opportunity to just engage in conversations about what I do. And, and not in a pushy way, but more so um, if, you know, I'm talking to people about what they do, I get an opportunity to share them within my heart and my passion. And that is yeah. for equity. 
I'm looking at your website now. It's equitylensconsultants.com. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. equitylensconsultants.com. Talk to me a little bit in terms of what do you do, services, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. It looks like you work with different entities. Yes. So it's been so great because I can take a lot of my teaching background and work with schools. So I've yep. done works with school districts um, and not just in California, actually, even um, other places in the U.S. who have reached out to me. Sometimes it's like we've put this presentation together. Can you look at it through an equity lens, like any verbiage we need to change, like anything we need to add? Are we thinking about the learning styles of all you know, our participants. So that is one area. So that's education, but I also have a business client um, that I've worked with where I'm looking at their corporation, like a larger corporation and their practices, their daily practices and looking at it through an equitable lens. Like when you think about their, um, their treatment and, and managing of their employees, but also the people that they serve in the community, like how they're doing with being equitable. Um, somebody reached out to me for an, a campaign that they were hired to do um, as consultant work. It was a major um, brand. But then they, after they did their portion, they reached out to me and said, now can you look at what we've done and give us feedback um, in, in the area of equity and so that's kind of how it's, it's worked out for me. It's been such a yeah. blessing to get people coming my way who want to have me look at things in um, that perspective. But then I also service the church and I have had conversations. I have these sessions called Equity Lens Cafes. And basically what they are, they're these round table like discussions where we talk about all things equity in a very positive, affirming, empowering type of way. And when I have these conversations and hold these sessions with people, they tell me, you know, um, I just feel so empowered to go out and actually talk about this. Like I'm not a person of color, but I feel like, you know, I don't agree with unfair treatment, but now I feel equipped to be able to talk about what true equity really means. So I hold those type of things for churches or businesses or in people's backyards. I'm doing one for teachers coming up um, in someone's backyard. So just servicing people in any way I can around the, the issues of equity. Are there certain conversations, whether it's with churches or organizations, community groups, schools, all of that, are there certain questions that come up time and time again that they they are wrestling with that they're asking you that they want to talk about? You know what? Yes. Oftentimes it's like people say like there are so many resources out there telling me what equity is, equitable yeah. practices, fair practices. Like, what do you think? What do you say? That's one question. Oftentimes people have talked to me about their discomfort because this whole, you know, this word equity has brought about lots of it for many people, different feelings and experiences that they've had. And so there's some who are like, I want to talk about this, but I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Like, can you tell me like what kind of things you I can talk about when I'm having a discussion with someone on equity? I get that a lot. Um, So, yeah, I think those are some common, common questions. Myesha, when you, everyone could sit there and talk about churches, everything like that, schools could talk. How do you help them move from talking and having conversations to actually now doing tangible things to change their situation? Yeah, one thing is to look at what you're doing. I often feel like inequities have existed for a long time because oftentimes they aren't pointed out as an inequity. Got it. So once it is like, oh, do you know why that's not fair? Like sometimes it's in simple things. Like I knew somebody was scheduling a meeting um, for a group of people and said, well, it's going to be at this time and that time alone. And I said, well, there's some people who that's not, you know, that doesn't work best for. And to meet the needs of everybody, maybe just offer another time. Right. So that seems like a simple, simple thing to do. But I'm like, that's equitable because that's doing what's fair. You're giving other 
everyone an option. You have this time or that time. And then sometimes it's like in classrooms, I'm like, well, you know, look at look at what's going on in the classroom. Let me help you identify practices that just are not the best for all students and meeting the needs of all students and then help you to figure out then what can you do? And I think that's where I come in and add value to a a company or corporation or church or business. And equity for you is more Mm -hmm. than just a racial conversation. It involves different people, men, women, it involves people who are handicapped, everything Mm -hmm. like that, right? Absolutely. And that's what I often tell people. And and sometimes, honestly, um, Tommy, some I've had people get offended at me because I don't focus it on a race issue. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. know that we were all created by God. We have purpose. We have value. We have a destiny in the future. Right. So I'm not I want every person to achieve that. It doesn't matter what you look like. And then understanding from the spiritual perspective, like racism, unfair treatment, any of those things are um, spiritual issues and they are sent to divide people. And so the more we stay divided in our mindset about this issue of equity, um, the less we're able to move forward and changing things. And yeah. so I often have a I'm like, no, if somebody's in a wheelchair and they need to, and they work at a company, but everything's up high, that's inequitable. What can we do to make sure they can get what they need so they can successfully do their job? You know, if it's a, a man or a woman, a, a person who, you know, just anything. I just think about the total picture when it comes to equity. How are we yeah. making sure that yeah. everyone is set up for success. Equity is doing what's right and what's fair at all times in all circumstances for all people. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I realize within our journey, God prepares us for a journey. And sometimes we never know exactly where he has. When you look back at life, when you were a little girl growing up in high school, what did you think you were going to do with life? Oh my gosh. So, um, my cousin actually raised me, um, from about six and up. And so, she always told me, she's like, I think you'll make a really great teacher. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be yeah, a teacher. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to work at a, um, in the business. So I got to work at a bank when I was like 17. And um, then I was like, this is not for me, being behind a desk in a business. So then I volunteered for a year with a friend at a hospital every Saturday morning because I thought, oh, I'll be a nurse. And I volunteered there. And I was like, this is definitely not for me. But I tutored at a school and I loved it. And before yeah. then, I had already like babysat kids. I was like, my church's babysitter, you know, everybody's kids. And so I did love children genuinely. And so then once I kind of got it, like, yeah, I'm supposed to be a teacher. That's what I'm going to be. All of my efforts went toward that. I started volunteering in people's yeah. classrooms and, you know, asking people who were teachers if I could come in and, and watch them and just learn even before going to college. Just because good. I had decided like this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as even as I'm talking with you, this is probably the second time that we've had a conversation, Myesha. Yeah. The one thing I look at you is you're so highly motivated. Not only are you genuinely sincere, but you're highly motivated. I see you as a go-getter. You're always trying to move on to the next step. And here you are starting an organization in Hollywood with churches and corporations in the midst of a pandemic. And so there's this entrepreneurial spirit, but there is this infectious excitement that I see from you, which I find very encouraging. Yay. That's awesome. You know what? Because I just, I love people and I hate to see any barriers or hindrances to people thriving in life because Jesus said he came that we may have life and have it to the fullest or abundantly. And that's what I want people to, how I want people to live and what I want them to experience. And I realize when there are barriers that are there because of inequities, people will not get to fulfill those, you know, their calling, their purpose on the earth. Because I feel like even with equity, you can see like your comment to me, your compliment to me, 
is because I'm so passionate about this. Yeah, it comes yeah, out yeah. of me, right? I could do it all night. Yeah. I could stay up till two, three in the morning, yeah. focus on this work. So think about the people who have passions, but they're being yeah. held back from actually fulfilling yeah. those passions and desires. Yeah. They're yeah. not as productive. They're not as happy yeah. in life. They're yeah. not as passionate. Yeah. And so that's why I think it just lights the fire under me because I'm like, I want all people to do what God put them on this earth to do. And we yeah. will all be happier people. <laughs> Okay, but let me ask you this, my Ayesha, mm -hmm. is what fuels that passion? Why are you so passionate about this topic? Well, I think part of it was a lack of understanding. I didn't understand because I grew up, I remember my best friend growing up, her name was Kelly Weston and, and she was white. And this was maybe why I went to elementary school. And so my cousin would sometimes walk me to her house and I would go spend time with her family, right? So then growing up, then I always surrounded myself with people from all different backgrounds. And when I realized that people weren't treated fairly and right, rightly, I often like questioned it. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, what's the point of this? Like, what's the purpose? And I think inside of me, it brought such discomfort that I thought I have to help do something about this. Like I can't, you know, even in my own circle. And before I knew I'd be an equity coach, I would just speak up when I would notice um, somebody being treated poorly and unfairly. And so I, I feel like it's just been in me because I didn't understand what would cause anybody to treat another person yeah. as though they were beneath yeah. them or less than or any, you know, anything like that. So I think that that's the answer to that question for me. Isn't it funny as you look back at life, how God uses different experiences all throughout our life to really lead us to the point that you are in. Now I look at you, are you going to keep doing equity lens consultants for the next 10 years? I don't know. Maybe one day you'll be hired by a Hollywood studio to do that. You don't know, but you look back at the journey from being a teacher to growing up in Milwaukee, working at a bank, all of that stuff to begin to shape you and give you all of those things to bring you to where you are right now. Absolutely. And that's what I love about, you know, our journey in life, because we never know where it's taking us. We never know yeah. why we do, you know, how we get or why we have certain passions and desires and interests, but they are all leading us on a yeah. journey and part of our part of our journey. And so I do I do appreciate that. And I appreciate every experience. I appreciate the fact that I grew up around people of all different backgrounds because it really helped my mindset. And I remember when I was teaching, I had a student who said to me, she said, Miss Reynolds, when I saw the, got the card in the mail that you were my teacher. She said immediately, I thought, I do not want her to be my teacher. And I was like, really? Why? And she's like, because you're black. And I was uh, like, okay. And she was okay. like, I said, so what does that mean? She said, I just have never had a black teacher. So I didn't know what to expect. And I said, well, how do you feel now? She said, yeah. now I can't imagine not having you as my teacher. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's yeah. what matters. Like I helped to change your perspective, perception of black people because you had, yeah. and it was out of ignorance, you know, she didn't know, but she immediately, because of the discomfort of like somebody who doesn't look like her, um, thought, Oh, I don't know if I want yeah. that, but yet, you know, I, she was my, my student. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I just yeah. want to live yeah. a life like that where I'm like, no, I want to treat people like they are such valuable human beings and be an example and a model for that with other people and among, yeah, amongst other people. Or even one time I work in Chicago in a older organization, the school, mm -hmm. and my title was special assistant to the president. So my role was major donor fundraising and I oversaw a couple of their initiatives. My first day at work, I'm walking with the president. We get into a uh, uh, elevator. Yeah. There is an individual who says, hey, Tommy, I heard that you just started. And I'm a guy now. And he says to me, so where's your dress? And I'm sitting there, what in the world are you talking about? Because all assistants are women. And I'm realizing, 
Yeah, that mm. just is inappropriate. And mm-hmm. but I think a lot of times it just it, there's a learning process of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for a lot of these conversations. Absolutely. And and I think that's why I love having conversations because I've had people, other adults who um, don't look like me, you know, different skin tone, who would ask me questions. They're like, I just want to know, but I've never felt comfortable asking these things. I'm like, ask away. Like the more we can talk and have conversations, realize that we're more alike than we are different. (laughs) You know, um, we can really begin to just appreciate and value and love one another. And that's what I hope to um, help people to do. Got it. As I'm talking with you, my wonderful six-year-old daughter is sitting next to me, letting me know my phone is ringing. So uh, <laughs> as I'm continuing, so I told her that she could keep watching her TV as well, too. But, you know, I think a lot of times, even with me, my Isha is, I mean, as a male, when I, I travel a lot internationally, all right, even when I travel and go to Jakarta, Indonesia, or Nairobi, even when I go there, just because I'm a, a male American, they treat me differently. So now I have to go the extra mile to show them I am here in your country. I value you in your country. Let me listen. Let me honor what's happening in your country. But automatically, they're used to Americans even just putting the position of power on them. So you see that around the world as well, too. Absolutely. And I think we just we just have to always say, you know what, I'm going to be a vessel of love and an example and just keep doing that. And sometimes it can be frustrating because you're like, people are judging me before they even know me and things like that. But you have to think like I'm a vessel of love. I'm going to be a vessel of love and and think about what, you know, God says in his word about love. They know us by our love. And so even if people come right away and I think that's what happened with my students is I was just such um, I was so loving toward them and we really make them, you know, uh, let them know how important and valuable they were to me. And so I feel like that began to tear down any ideas that they had in their heads about me um, as one, w- the only, you know, um, minority woman teacher in the school. Yeah. But I began to just show them like, hey, like, I'm just another person yeah. who loves yeah. and values you and wants to educate you. Very, very good. Hey, let me ask you some random questions, a yeah. little bit about where you live, but also when you first started your startup, what were some of your difficulties? I mean, uh, it is hard to start a company. I started one 12 years ago. It just, it was just hard. What were some of the difficulties? And no one really tells you what yeah. to do. And yeah. what were some of the challenges that you had to face? Yeah. What, I mean, I'm not a huge social media person, but everybody's out there on social media. And so I would try to make like little schedules like this day, I'm going to post this and I'm going to do that on social media, get myself out there and be active. And that's just not who I am. Yeah, I yeah. much rather have conversations with people and talk to people. So that was a that was a huge thing for me because I don't have a huge following on like Instagram or Facebook. Correct. And I feel like to get then what I'm doing out there, like I feel like what I'm doing is such good yeah. stuff, but I'm like, but I'm missing an audience. Right. Yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. a little challenging for me. I think also knowing um, exactly. Like I don't have anyone in my family who's owned a business. Um, I was the first to go to college. I was the first to really just kind of make some changes to the way in which our lot, you know, my family's lives were. And, um, so a lot of this, I don't have an example for it's me just doing research and, and finding yeah. out like, how do you set up pricing? Like what's the best way to yes, market yourself? Yes, you know, all yes, those things. Yes, and yes. they just come with like research conversations yeah. and it gets better. It gets easier. I've learned a lot to like, um, to really look at my worth and what I add, because oftentimes I've been so happy about getting an opportunity that I don't um, like financially actually ask for like anything because I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I get to do what I'm passionate about. But it's like, but I also have to make a living. You know? <laughs> and so like I had just kind of working through that and figuring that out. But I feel like it gets yeah. better every day. 
Well, Maisha, one of the things I had to learn, I worked with a lot of ministries, a lot of pastors and ministry leaders. One of the things I had to learn is I thought as Christians, all of us would care for each other and all of us would take care of each other. I had to learn to put agreements in place, in contracts in place, because that didn't always happen. And that was... That was something I had to learn. I had to define those things because if I didn't define it, there was loopholes that people took advantage. I was shocked and I had to learn through some of those things early on. Yeah. And that's what I, that's kind of what I have had to do as well. And then sometime you're like, okay, that was a good experience. Like yes. you learn from that yes. and you yes. move yes. on, yes. you know yes. how to do things differently, like moving yeah. forward. So it's all part of the process, you know. It is. And now it's 12 years later. I try to make sure that I'm actually treating people fairly. But yes. at the same time, when you're on the receiving end, it's been hard. And at the same time, little things like taxes, license, no one ever teaches you any of this. I had to learn through all these things. Exactly. Me too. Same. Lots of research. Thank God for Google, you know, and, and yeah. the internet, you know, that we can research and get information and just talking to people. Really, I've found that when I meet a person who's a consultant, I say, is it okay if I pick your brain yeah, about, yeah. you know, consultation work and, and things like that. And so I'm like, yes, take advantage of the opportunity to learn from people yeah. who are doing something like you're doing, you know, similar to that or the same thing. Last question for you, Monrovia. Yeah. What do you like about Monrovia? Oh my gosh, it's the cutest town. If you've never been here, you should come. We, My favorite part probably is our little downtown area, which I'm like walking distance from. And every Friday night we have a street fair. So there are lots of vendors out and they have food and music and um, you can buy a little thing, little, you know, gifts or things that you like. So I think that's probably my favorite. And then we have a ton of coffee shops. So I love those too. <laughs> very, very good. Okay. So coffee is your thing. I do love coffee. Yes. All right. If people were to come to Monrovia, which coffee shop should they go visit? Oh, that's so hard. Um, well, there's one called Gray and Cash. That's yep. really cool. And then there is a Cafe Ole. Olea, I believe Olea. That's a really cool place as well. Newer business, um, but fantastic service and great food and coffee. Very, very good. Maisha, if people could find you, uh, I know the website. Actually, let me click on it again. EquityLensConsultants.com. That's EquityLensConsultants.com. Social media, where can they find you? Where can they find yes. more information on your company? On Instagram, same Equity Lens Consultants, and same with Facebook, Equity Lens Consultants. So you can find me Very there. Very good. Misha, thank you so much for taking a few minutes just to talk and for me to hear about your journey, about what you're doing as well, too. Thank you so much, Tommy. It's my pleasure. You got it. Blessings to you, and we'll talk soon. Blessings to you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.